What's up, kinfolk? It's RJ Young. That is Brandon Drum. This is the OUinsider.com 247 Sports Young and Drum Podcast. Brandon, how you doing, bro? Hey, man. It is, uh, dude, it's cold outside. And <laughs> wet. Holy crap. And wet. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I don't like it. My arthritis is not liking it. I can tell you that. Your arthritis? So, You're 36. Dude, I'm not military and football through college doesn't exactly do a body well. So, um, I, I, I hurt. I hurt pretty good. I'm I'm good. I'm straight. Well, congratulations. <laughs> I'm straight. Thanks for rubbing, thanks for rubbing it in. Yeah. Well, you know, you gonna you gonna throw out uh, the your military pedigree. I'm I'm gonna rub it in. <laughs> All right. So one of the most interesting things to come out of team news this week was Lincoln Riley and Bill Beaton both saying, "Hey, Creed Humphrey's good, but he ain't playing like like we thought he would be playing." And Creed kind of cop into that so what's your read on the situation man i think he didn't like how he was playing i don't i think he was upset i think he took it to heart and i think the last couple of games you've seen you've seen the the i think more or less he was more frustrated on the communication in than anything else because you start rotating guys in that aren't used to playing tackle they're more guards so they're going to see things differently from an outside point of view than the inside offense alignment point of view all that's different i mean you know it i know it. anybody that's played the game of football positions are different especially how you have to go about you know your techniques and how you go about you know your, your blocking assignments all that it is completely different with each and every position even though it's a couple of inches to your left or your right so it it changed everything up so creates frustrated and, and, and beaten by even said it he goes it's human nature i get it he was frustrated but we're back everybody's healthy he says that's why you've seen a different creed. He's got the guys that he's used to being around out there communicating with and everybody's in the right spots. And you've seen a better, you've seen better play, better practices from the offensive line. And he's become a better leader. It's crazy when you can communicate with guys, how much of a better leader you are. And I think that was his frustration. And yeah, like I was saying, you're seeing a better team. They're running the ball better. They're doing things better. And it started back against Texas. I also thought it started when he got, the same group of guys to lead for the first time, uh, yeah. you know, all year. I mean, this is the, that was just seriously, this will be the second time if Swenson and, oh, excuse me, West Virginia was the second time that Swenson and Ely both made the starting lineup in a row, right? And having yeah. the consistent five out there, I think, helps him tremendously with his own personal play because Bill will be the first person to tell you that the offensive line, has to play well because if one guy's playing well, that doesn't help us, right? Because somebody else is not playing well. Right. And so much of what they do, I mean, and this is every football team, is dependent on how good Creed is because, believe it or not, it is difficult to snap the football and block and or get out in front and or direct traffic and be on the same page with the guys next to you and the guys down the line and the way they receive information and the way they move together is important. That said, I think... You know, Riley and Bill also know that, and they know when Creed's not playing well. So, specifically, what was Bill pointing to, and what was Creed pointing to about how he's playing? I mean, it, it had a lot to do with, uh, I think, like he said, communication. I think that that was the main thing. I think he felt as a leader, he wasn't leading correctly. I think he felt that he wasn't doing the things that he normally does when it comes to blocking, I mean, he's had some miss, misses on his blocking. He's not grading like he normally does. 
And I think, like you said, it's cohesive. The cohesiveness of the offensive line is paying off. I, we talked about that on a podcast that we didn't air because of the, the technical difficulty part, but I, we talked about it last week, and it was the cohesiveness is noticeable. It is so much better when you have those guys out there, and it doesn't. It, it, and it's not to say that Eric Swenson's a better tackle than say uh rj proctor or uh or adrian ely's about well i think he is but i'm just an example adrian ely's a better tackle than uh say stacy wilkins or somebody else who's out there it but the communication makes it better because they're all on the same page like you said and guess what when you're the guy making the calls when you line up and that's what creed does he makes the calls he he calls the blocking assignments. He calls the scheme. He calls the blitzes. He calls everybody. He tells everybody what they're going to do when he walks up. That's why you see him holding the ball and pointing, for those that don't know. He's in charge of everybody up there. And when those guys don't understand what he's yelling at and calling and they don't see the same thing, it screws a lot of things up. So, in turn, Creed is a better player when the guys around him are better. It's weird how that works. When I think if we're going to do the devil's advocate thing and we talk about what does communication actually mean for Creed in particular, this is a year in which he's supposed to have and probably still will have a decision to make in January about whether or not he wants to enter the NFL draft as an early entry. Now, because he plays center and because he projects to center, the communication and smarts of what he does are very, very, very important because that's your job. And that's the reason why Riley was saying, hey, it's not usually the case that your most talented offensive lineman is the center. That's usually the smart guy who just ain't that good. But in this position, he's going to have to be the smart guy before he's the good guy because they can find somebody that can do the job if they have the smarts. So, yeah, they need him to get it right and they need to get it going for his own future. Yeah, he he has to. He's got to be the guy that everybody projected him out to be to start the year and we're starting to see that. I mean, we are. I mean, you and I both agree. He's played so much better the past couple of weeks. And when you've got guys and you're telling guys, hey, you've got to block here. This is your assignment here, blah, 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 blah. Blitz coming from the outside. they got a cat blitz coming. You're going to have to step out further, right tackle, all that stuff. I mean, that is the stuff that you've got to be able to get your guys to understand. And if you're not the leader that the NFL guys project you to be, and it's not being shown on the field, even though you might be, but it's just because the guys aren't doing what they're supposed to do. It's a bad look on you, and therefore it's going to make himself look bad because he is a center. That's what he's going to play in the NFL. He's going to be a center. Um, I was talking to Gabe Brooks yesterday. Or was it wasn't was it, was it Monday. I was talking No, Tuesday. I was talking to Gabe Brooks on Tuesday, and he said he and I gave the analogy, like two of the smartest guys on the offensive line that he's seen in a long time. Ironically, Creed Humphreys and um, – Andrew Rain, right? And they both are the, almost the exact same player. And they both probably project as a center or and or guard in the NFL and obviously in college. So um, you've got to have those guys regardless of your position, regardless. You've got to have leaders. You've got to have guys that are going to understand the game, blocking schemes, all that, defensive packages, everything that, that it entails for a center. Like Riley said, the smart guy – is usually put in the middle to call everything for everybody. But to have the guy be smart and really good, that way he can slide over and be a guard in the NFL if he has to, that's different. So Creed, Creed's got to continue to show what he's doing physically, and then he's got to add on to it mentally if he really wants to jump up there. Because being a top pick as a center, that's rare. 
that's rarefied air. That's hard to do in the NFL. You're not going to be usually a top 10, 15 pick as a center. I mean, Yar is an interior lineman, and that's the other thing, right, is if he does not play center, he'll play guard. And you're talking about the difference between perhaps a Jason Kelsey with the Philadelphia Eagles and Quentin Nelson with the Indianapolis Colts, right? And both of those guys are outstanding football players, but the jobs are just a little bit different. I want to kind of switch gears here and talk about the defense for just a second because I think we're doing this thing where because Alex Grinch put it in everybody's head that he wants takeaways, that we've been judging the defense on how it how many takeaways it's gotten, which is like six, I believe, is the is the number now, which is yeah. fewer than the games they've played. And yet the scoring defense says they're holding teams to 19.4 points. They're a top 10 third down defense team after being in the bottom 10 last year. They are a outstanding pass defense team. Uh, as a matter of fact, looking at it, I think they're inside the top 30. And I think Al- yeah, Alabama's at 31 for folks that are really paying attention. And LSU is at and LSU is at 64, right? So, I mean, if you want to look at it and say that they're playing poorly, you'd be wrong. They're holding teams to 3.7 yards per rush. And they did play a good Texas team, and they got nothing outside of a couple of Really nice runs by Roshan Johnson, quite honestly, and and also bad defense and on those plays because Grinch had said, "Hey, we rep that play. They should have stopped that play. They've seen that play all week, and yet and still, they were really, really good. And they've decided since the Texas Tech game that they're going to close games, which has been also really encouraging to see because it's one thing for you're starting eleven to be able to play the way they have, but it's another thing for you to bring in the twos and the threes and then continue to keep the pressure on these offenses in such a way that they just take their will to play, and then you see the backup quarterback play for them. Like you saw Trey Lowe come in for Austin Kendall against uh, Oklahoma. And I'll underscore this. Sean Clifford, who is the quarterback at Penn State, passed for... 182 yards against Michigan. He went 15 of 25 for 182 with three touchdowns. Austin Kendall went 14 of 31 for 182 with two TDs against Oklahoma. And we all think of Michigan as playing really good defense. Uh It's about time, as you shaded a couple weeks ago, and I get, well, we talked about Jalen Hurts, so that's different. It's about time that people really did start to understand what kind of a defense is here. And this is my time to say is every time we talk about Alex Grinch in this defense in 2019 is a time in which we would say, Mike Stoops, what the hell were you doing? Because those are the same (laughs) kids. Those are the same kids. Parnell Motley is a pro football focused darling this year. Neville Gallimore is a monster. Kenneth Murray Jr. sees things, hits things. Pat Fields and Delaren Turner-Yell are puppies back there, man. And at a, there was a time when you thought DTY was going to be a better safety, believe it or not, than Pat Fields. And Buki has been, as I've been saying, really awesome at what I think is the most difficult position to play in football. Mm-hmm. So what is your read on how they'll play against Kansas State? Setting aside Kansas State's offense is god-awful when it comes to production, but they are going to give you a lot of eye candy. They're going to run more formations at you than Oregon has uniforms. 
Yeah, they 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 do a lot of motion, don't they? It's a, you would think with a different staff. First, first off, first off, first off, your little you know what the Mike Stoops, what the hell were you doing uh, last year? That's a perfect title for a podcast. <laughs> Just saying, like talk about defense, done defense Colin. Mike Stoops, what the hell were you doing uh, <laughs> last year? Uh, <laughs> so no, no, for real. Um, and and I like Mike. I do. I'm, I, I I've always liked Mike. He's always been really good to me. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard to deny the differences in the defense. I think Mike has Mike has a nice haircut. Okay. I said something nice. Uh, yeah, there you go. You have. That's the first thing I've ever heard you say nice about him. Um, anyways, uh, so. To your point about Kansas State, they love motion. They love eye candy, like you were saying. It is – you would think different staff, different offense, right? Nah. So I talked to Ryan Wallace yesterday, and I had him on my OKC, OKC Sports Drum on 105.3 in the Oklahoma City area, and they uh, – CBS Sports Radio, shameless plug. Um, Are we going to keep doing that? I don't know. I just like doing it every podcast just for fun because you do the exact same thing. You always no, I, no, I stopped doing it. I stopped doing it. No, no, no. No, no, no! I'm saying, I'm saying, you get mad when I do that. Oh, like, like, <laughs> yeah, I did that on purpose, anyways. Uh, so, but I did. I, How are the Broncos? Stop. No, nah, they playing well. We're not digressing. In How's Joe don't, Flacco? Don't, don't give my pressure up. Didn't you just trade Emmanuel Sanders to the 49ers? Aren't they undefeated? Man, who are you throwing the ball to now? Is it the kid from SMU? Sutton? Is that what you got left? Cortland Sutton, dude. Oh, okay. Dude, dude. all right. Is, fa- is, fa- is, is Fant... Step on a man while he's down. Is, is, is Fant going to catch some passes, or is he just going to no, run free? He's going to keep dropping them. We, we drafted a first-round draft guy, that uh, tight end, that, that we didn't want to catch the ball. We just throw it to him, so he drops it. He's been He's actually succeeded at that this year. What's it like to have a really great pass rush that, well, gets undercut by the offense? I've been putting up with it since 2016, so I'm getting used to it. You got you anyway. got, you got a pretty outstanding safety over there too. I like I I like some of the parts you got. I just wish you would do more with what yeah, you got. Yeah, yeah, they're talking about they're, they're talking about firing uh, Elway and bringing in Peyton Manning, which I don't know. And I'm a fan of both, so as you know, so uh, they're my two favorite players of all time. That'll be it's hard for me. I call for Elway to be fired. You guys are the only franchise. Stop! 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 stop. You've got me sidetracked. Try to get. I just Ryan Wallace in here. Why do you keep hiring these guys that still have Super Bowls from back in the day? Broncos in the middle of this. It's already hard enough. Is that Kansas City game okay? Did you you saw my tweet? (laughs) Okay, I'll stop. People got people people got mad at me saying throw Drew Locke in like I didn't know he wasn't on the IR, and I was making a joke that a freaking injured Drew Locke on the IR was better. And Flacco, but of course, we have some crazy people on Twitter that think I'm an idiot, but that's fine. Whatever. I had one dude go, yeah, you probably didn't really even know that. Yeah, you're right. I probably didn't. I've only been a diehard Broncos fan since I was five. It also kind of looked like Steve Spagnuolo was coaching your boy out of his pants. Yeah, it's true. Anyways, well, Flacco's a statue. You've got me mad about Flacco right now, and I don't want to talk about him anymore. Like, I can't think about that guy without my blood pressure going up. Um, so, like I was saying, I had Ryan Wallace. He talked about it. He said the reason why they're keeping K-State – we're talking about K-State now. The reason why we're keeping him uh, – they keep that offense going the way they are and they're running something very similar to 
what Snyder did is because they're 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 doing they're pandering to the talent that they have, which is smart, and that's why K State's four and two right now. I mean, if they didn't, I don't know where they would be because Skyler Thompson isn't a guy that's going to throw it around for sixteen, seventeen hundred yards, seven seven games into the season. That's just not him. What he is is a guy that can run. And he has like two hundred fifty yards rushing. Um, he's a guy that can move around the pocket, find you some room, and he's finally getting some guys back. I mean, they've got the freshman, uh, retro freshman, um, gosh dang it, I just went blank, uh, wide receiver uh, from, dang it, they got him coming back. I just went blank on his name. That gummit. So I talked about him yesterday. But anyways, they got him coming back. Uh, he played yesterday or last week sparingly. He's their deep threat. They have a solid possession receiver as a retro, or as a senior uh, they got some guys, and obviously the two running backs that they have are phenomenal. Um, one's a more of a power back, even though he's smaller, and one's a bigger guy, more of a scat back. He kind of reminds some people of a, a smaller Ramon J. Stevenson. Um, so, and I think I'm talking about Brown is the guy I'm talking about, the the older uh, running back. So I'm going blank now. You've got me all screwed up, dude. Like, I had all these names in my head for K-State. Now I can't even remember. Um, thanks, RJ. it. Why are you guys – Talk about Flacco like that. Oh, my gosh, man. Anyways, point being is, is, yes, they do do eye candy. They do do a lot of things that Snyder did, but that's not going to be K-State for long. So they need to, oh, you need to be able to uh, really take advantage of the fact that they're going to play inside of a box. I mean, they are. Uh, I was watching Kine, or Climb's, uh, 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 his uh, press conference yesterday. And it was a it was a rerun on YouTube, obviously. But he said he goes, we can't run Skylar Thompson 18, 20 times a game, but we can run him 10 to 15. And that's their plan. They're going to be their plan from here on out. They didn't do it to start the year, and now they realize they have to. They've got to do a lot of the QB counters. They got to do a lot of QB power that made K State so famous back in the day under Snyder. So we're going to get to see a lot of that. But I think that feeds into what Oklahoma does defensively. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that perhaps we're overstating just how crappy Skylar Thompson is throwing the ball. But because I think one of the things that I remember is vividly, Chris Kleiman recruited Skylar Thompson to North Dakota State. He did. And as much shade as has been thrown on this podcast by the Broncos fan against about FCS teams, that dude put oh. quarterbacks into the NFL. One of them is. His team won a Super Bowl, and before he blew yeah, out his knee, well right before he blew out his knee, you know, MVP candidate, number two overall draft pick, and the other guy unseated a national champion quarterback at San Diego State or San Diego State at God at the Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> My goodness, uh, no, because you know, like Cardell Jones was over there. Cardell Jones, twelve gauge. Cardell Jones. Cardell Jones. Cardell, Cardell, yeah, Cardell Jones. Yeah. yeah, DC's new quarterback in the XFL. Yep, yeah, the XFL guy. And, and Easton Stick shows up, and it's like, nah, we're good. We got the kid from North Dakota State. Bison. We're going to be fine. So, I mean, you know, all of this goes into play for me because I think I, – I honestly don't think the offense is the same offense. I just think that they use some of the same principles because they'll line up in twins' right eye formation, and then they'll come out and shotgun trips to the left. You know, it's just – this is what they do, but they run like 12 plays, right? And, and it's about how good are, are you at executing those 12 plays. And Skylar Thompson is going to run for his life, and they're going to have about 10 or 12 design runs for him. So I think 
you know, you could see him with 18 rushes. Yeah, but I think he was talking about design. Yeah. Oh, well, sure. But you also, you got to be able to make people trust him or make him. You have to make people respect his ability to throw the ball. And for that to happen, he has to be better. And you mentioned it. He's got 994 yards passing through seven uh, or through six games. I mean, through three, Jalen Hurts had 880. You know, it just ain't it ain't there. And I put these things together. They have not rushed for or had a 100-yard rusher against a Power 5 opponent, and they have not had a 100-yard receiver all season. They're not going to win this game by scoring points. They're going to win this game by playing outstanding defense, and that is where I really want to see the nation's number one scoring offense against what is one of the nation's best defenses. And what does that mean for Oklahoma? How are they going to attack that defense that Scotty Hazleton has playing really good football? Yeah, they do. The numbers show it. I mean, uh, again, uh, Ryan Wallace said he thinks that the numbers may portray something more than what that defense is because of the competition so far. But I, I wanted to add that. Nickel State and Bowling Green among those. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fair. But they did play Oklahoma State already, which is known as one of the top defenses in the country. Or and, offenses in the country. and they got destroyed. Two, right. 296 rushing by Chuba. Right, but I'm talking through the air. They did. Right, no, 100%. Well, Spencer Sanders is, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair, too. Uh, like, fair too. I mean, for, forget the athleticism and, and even forget how good he is throwing the ball. He's going to give it to the other team. Yeah, he plays catch with the, the opponent. Man, and he and he loves to put the ball on the floor. And I'm just like, okay. Anyway, no, but I'm sorry. I cut no, your point he, off. He, he, no, no, no. Your, your point is valid, and that's, that's kind of where I was headed. Is their defense is really good, but it could be – kind of uh, who they played. They haven't played in Oklahoma yet. And I think that is going to be the most interesting thing. 11 a.m., Manhattan. Again, are we going to have to ask this question? Is this team going to go in with the mental makeup of let's go in, destroy them, and get the hell out? Or are they going to go in there and play lackadaisical? That's what we're going to find out. Like, I think Riley, to his point, wanted to know how they were going to play against West Virginia – well, Austin Kendall was on West Virginia's team, so I think the the, uh, the team was going to be focused no matter what. I think this is the game where you're going to really going to find out what this team is made up of more than anything else. Because Manhattan, 11 a.m. I mean, ugh, and the team is everybody expects you to completely annihilate them. Um, they're not a flashy team. Nobody in the nation's really going to be watching that game all too much, even though Fox is trying to make a big deal about it. But it, it, I don't know. I mean, am I am I off here? I mean, is this not more of a let's see how they react type deal compared to the West Virginia game with Austin Kendall, an ex teammate, as a quarterback? Because I think that is good. This is going to be more of a are they going to be ready at 11 a.m. in Manhattan and be prepared more than it was last week? I mean, am I off here? Because I feel like I'm not. No, I mean, I always put on my producer hat of one of the things that we both have to do is try to try to write and deliver good teases, right? And there's no good tease around a 21-point favorite coming into your house. Like, that's, I mean, so I don't, I expect Fox to do what Fox does. I mean, Fox also has a Big Ten, Big 12 slant because those are the games that they have. 
So, I mean, and this game is up against Ohio State, Wisconsin, which means that we're the only people that are going to be watching it. So, I mean, like, I mean, they got to do something, right? Is what I say. They got to do something because they, they got to air this game. So, no, I don't think you're off. Uh, I think that we've spent more time talking about recruiting this week in most more yeah. than we have in past weeks because we've got this this lull where West Virginia ain't very good and Kansas State is mediocre to not very good. So let's talk some recruiting right quick. I I mean, you, there's been some movement on the defensive line front in particular. And yes, I need, please, if you haven't already, talk more Ethan Downs. Okay. First off, we haven't done a podcast since the Ethan Down. We did, but we didn't uh, air it due to some technical difficulties. But um, look, Ethan Downs, my goodness. Uh, Oklahoma got a good one there. He's a top 100 player in the country in the 2021 class. He's a guy that's going to weigh 260, 270 pounds by the time he's a sophomore in college. And, oh, by the way, he runs a 4.640. So... He's a freak of nature. He plays running back, H-back, tight end, middle linebacker, and edge rusher for the Weatherford Eagles. He does it all for them. And there's a reason why he does it all, because he's a freak athlete. And getting guys like that that can do multiple things is exactly what Alex Grinch wants. He wants a guy that weighs 260, 270, that can fly off the ball the way he can and slide inside and outside. That is exactly who he wants and, and the players that he needs on this speed D. So once again, they go in and luckily it's an in-state guy. They got a guy that grew up. Um, and if you haven't read it, I know it's a long time ago. The, 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 his story about being a fan and being a little kid and all this stuff is great. Uh, it's a, it's a great human interest, uh, story being that he just is, is such a diehard OU fan growing up. So the Ethan Downs deal is cool, but then you've got what's going on in the 2020 class. I mean, you got Princely Humanellium uh, decommitting from Texas. Good job on the pronunciation. Thank you. Um, then he, I just sit there and think about it. And then you've got uh, OU offering yeah, DeAndre Butler out of JUCO, uh, and he's going to be a May grad. And then you've got um, Oklahoma, who hosted Reggie Grimes, four-star out of the Nashville area, the Nashville, Tennessee area, um, defensive lineman this past weekend and that that was a great visit for him i mean so much so that oklahoma is in on this and then and then you've got alfred collins who oklahoma wants more than anything in the world a guy that is six foot four 275 pounds can be a strong side defensive end can be an interior guy he's going to weigh 290 295 pounds in college and he's going to be able to move like a tommy harris where you can slide him over there to a, a seven te- technique, a five, you can do whatever you got to do to him. You can do a three. You can put him over at the zero. I mean, he's that guy. He's that dude for Oklahoma, and that's the type of guy that they want. And, I mean, they already have Perry and Winfrey. So, I mean, and, and they got uh, Noah Renze as well. So, this defensive line class in 2020 could turn out to be special if they get one of those one of those four guys to just hop on board. Now, obviously, I think that Butler – is going to be a guy they're going to wait because I don't think he's going to end up taking a visit until the spring um, officially because he's a May grad. I think it's going to linger in over and longer. I don't I don't foresee him signing in February or, or December. I just don't. Uh, and I think that's what Oklahoma wants. They want to see what's going to happen here as far as numbers go. They want to see who's going to transfer out this offseason. They want to see a lot of things before they go all in on him. But 
I do think he's very high on the board. Same with Human Ilium. I think that he is he is a very good uh, a player. He's a guy that I think he's reached out to Oklahoma. I the the reciprocation is there, but Oklahoma's not pushing it. I mean, they're not pushing for him. So teams like Auburn, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, those are going to be the guys in programs that are going to be in it for uh, Princely Human Ilium out of Maynard, Texas. And then, obviously, Alfred Collin, who is a Texas legacy, unfortunately. But he visited Texas last weekend, did not commit. The farther he gets away from that official visit, and as more as he keeps talking to Oklahoma, the better chance Oklahoma has. Now, granted, I will say I think Texas leads, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion just yet. Not yet. I mean, things, things he, could, he could obviously commit or do something here in the next week or so. And it wouldn't shock me, but I still think Oklahoma, they're, they're, they're really laying their chips in on Alfred Collins. I mean, they love that guy. I was specifically told the other day, look, Alfred Collins, defensive back Dante Manning, Joshua Eaton, those are guys that you win a national title with if you get them. I mean, that's what they think of those guys. And those are those other two are defensive backs, obviously. Um, and obviously, uh, Joshua Eaton's another name, defensive back. Um, look. Oklahoma's in there. They are really in there for that guy. Um, don't be shocked if you see a decommitment here in the next three or four days from him from Texas. Um, but don't don't think that it's going to just be like I, I talked to a source down at Norman. I, I they don't think that it's just going to be a foregone conclusion that he commits right off the bat. They think that he may take visits. So we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But I do think Oklahoma is a favorite. He's got family in the Oklahoma City area. Uh, he's been to Oklahoma numerous times, and he continues to have Oklahoma high on his on his board. And I do think he probably will end up at Oklahoma. I put a crystal ball in for a flip for him to Oklahoma already. So we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. It would also be a nice gift for Oklahoma fans with the loss of Ryan Watts a few weeks ago, oh, yeah. who has since committed to Ohio State. What's your sense there? Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Well, uh, do you do you sense? I mean, I mean, I don't think. I mean, everything that my reporting says. Right, and I mean, right. You want me to? You want me to please be blunt about it? Please. Okay. Well, then also while we're here, Dante Manning seems to kind of be looking, kind of wanting back in. Oh yeah, yeah. He they do. They love. He's their favorite by far and away. The favorite. Him and Joshua Eaton are one A, one B. You can put him however you want it. Like I said, source told me down there. I said, "Look, you land those two guys. That's national. That's they. They literally was told that's that's how you get national titles. Is you get those type of guys coming in, and that's what they feel about them as far as defensive backs go. They love those two. Love those two. What else did you want to touch on, dog? Um, just your thoughts on so question. I know it's the I asked the guys this after the post game and. I'm sure you heard it. The 
the individual awards, just how much uh, – first up, I want to ask you your thoughts on when I asked that question to Kenneth Murray, to Neville Gallimore, Buki, and even uh, when I asked Riley this past weekend about just the mindset of this team and how each and every one of them, Riley excluded obviously in this, came out without even being asked. I said something about, you know, their play, their mentality, their mental makeup of the team. And every one of them said, we don't care about the win that we just had. This was like literally minutes after they just beat West Virginia. And they said, oh, that's over with. We're not going to be satisfied until we win a national title in the middle of January. When's the last time on both sides of the ball that you've heard guys literally say that? But when they say it, they say it with conviction at Oklahoma, outside of Baker Mayfield. I mean, you said outside of Baker Mayfield, like, 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 I mean, Hey man, uh, the way that people talk about Jalen Hurts being the voice of the team and everybody following his lead, that's where I think Lincoln was going with that question. I think you had Baker, and you can't discount Baker. I understand you want everybody else to be paired and stuff, but those kids were younger then, right? So they're not going to be the guys. And the guys who were were guys like Ogbo. And they, you know, he wasn't going to say a whole lot. And they were other guys like uh, Didi wasn't going to say a whole lot. You know, I mean, I, I get I get what you're saying because I think you, you got a point because they feel good about it and they know how close they were last year and the year before that. Baker had never been that close. Kyler had never been that close, right? I mean, that's that's where I think – well, I take that back. Baker had been that close. 2015. Yeah, Kyler had, obviously, but as a backup. Right, 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 right. I'm talking about playing games. But, okay, I got you. Yeah, I'm talking about playing games. But even so, I, I – I think the demeanor is different because they under also understand this is a this is not a, a hard schedule this year. It's just not. It actually is going to be more of a gauntlet next year. Right at Army, you're going to have. I mean, unless they they fix a bye week or they move one of these games to week zero. Like, I mean, I I I did this, but like, good God, especially. Yeah. Did, did, that, did you not look at that? I went. I looked at that. Like right at Tennessee through Army, I went. Oh no, my so God. so you have you'd have Charlie Brewer in year three. You'd have Spencer Sanders in year two. You'd have Max Duggan in year two. You'd have Sam Ellinger in year four because the the buzz is he's coming back. He's not he's not leaving. You got Mauer Mauer at, uh, at Tennessee year two. Yeah, but the pieces around him defensively. Um, but and you got a bye week. I'm I'm saying you got a bye week between Tennessee and Army, right? So like I started at Army because okay. you. You'll play Missouri State, then you'll play Tennessee, then you get a bye week, then you start running through Big 12 teams, and that's that's going to be the suck. You know, you also got Oklahoma State in October, which is, man. Weird, man, weird. Yeah, but it's just all of that. And then, of course, the Iowa State is in the middle of Texas and Oklahoma State, and you'd have Brock Purdy in year three. You're just, I mean, I get the Grinch is good, and I get the defense is good, but you're also going to be breaking in a new defensive tackle as your, as your anchor, right, because Gallimore's yeah. gone. So is Q Overton. Well, but but still, you're breaking him in, right? Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, uh, yeah he's the number one player in Juco, but yeah, you're right. He's right. Gonna be, he's going to get used to the speed, all that stuff. And then you're also going to be breaking a, a new linebacker next to White, probably Asamoah, we think, but anything's possible. And you'd hope that your secondary would actually be the strength of what you do, but we'll see, right? So, I mean, it's just, it gets interesting in 2020, and I think they're acting the way that they are because they know that they're going to be really inexperienced at quarterback, right? We all know that Rattler's good. We all know that Tanner Mordecai can do the job. 
more than do the job. It's just Rattler's just ridiculous. Uh, but yeah. they have not played big games, which means that those wideouts and those running backs are going to have to carry them in a year where they might not have Creed Humphrey to help them out. So you're hoping that the four guys around the new center will be able to help you. So it, it'll get, it gets difficult next year, and I think they know with the squad they got right now that if they are getting, you know, they're happy about beating the hell out of West Virginia and beating the hell out of Texas Tech and beating Texas soundly, then they're not ready to win a national championship. Because the way that they run through this schedule is not unlike the way that uh, Clemson should run through the ACC. That's why, you know, they beat Louisville 45-10 and they're going ho-hum. You know, I think the schedules are actually... Yeah, but I mean, the the way Clemson played, I mean, they, they, they've struggled. No, I'm thinking No, I'm thinking about Clemson last year. I'm thinking about... Uh, or even this year, right? I'm, I'm, but the last couple of years, who has challenged them in the ACC? Nobody. Right, and you can say the same thing about Oklahoma and Big 12. I think they're... So I, do, you think, do you think that's why they set up that? So when I looked at the schedule, I was thinking about this. I was like, do you think they set the schedule up where Oklahoma has to play all these hard games back to back to back to back to back to back to back just so they can possibly get a new flavor at the top of the Big 12? I mean, do you think that's that was in their mind? setting up that schedule like let's make it as hard as possible for Oklahoma no conspiracy theory Brandon I don't okay well I, I just just throwing it out there no I think that is that. I think that throwing that moving the way they did is well weird. then let me address it okay go for it <laughs> sorry <laughs> So not, I don't believe it I'm just asking so uh, outside of your historic rivalries like Ohio State Michigan um, and, and OU Texas you have Nebraska-Oklahoma. Well, that's not a historic rivalry anymore in the same way that Texas yeah, and Texas sure. A&M ain't because they don't play every year. But I think the networks have influenced their scheduling. Now, the networks don't tell them what to put where, but they'd be like, hey, look, if you move Bedlam to October, we got a better opportunity of putting that maybe in one of those time slots that you guys like, like 7 o'clock, because you put it up against Ohio State-Michigan or you put it up against any of these other really important conference games that have title implications late in the season when Oklahoma State might not, right? It might it just... It was a night game last year. Well, and that's, I mean, is that luck of the draw? But also when you're looking at Iowa State moving back to October and not in November, you're looking at TCU again being like one of your first games out of the gate in um, November. You're looking at Baylor being moved back to its traditional... September, October spot. I mean, a lot of this is just them doing what they normally do. I mean, a couple years ago, 2017, Baylor came to Oklahoma early in the season, got a W. Right? No, we went there. Yeah, Oklahoma went there. Yeah, I'm no, sorry. Yeah, Oklahoma went there. Right, it. right. Oklahoma went there. So, I mean, I think a lot of this is just them sticking with what they do. And we look at it as different because we know that the pieces on each of the, one of these teams is is going to be that much better, quite, quite, quite frankly. I mean... The Big 12 will be the only conference that has no movement at head coach next year. None. Everybody's keeping their job. Riley, unless Riley decides to go to Dallas. I'm just I'm joking, people. Just totally joking. Just joking. I know. Everybody, everybody's going to get fused. Don't say that, drum! Yeah, you know, Riley ends up at Denver. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't be too upset. Yes, I know. And, and, and you would be inundated with people yelling at you. I would. <laughs> so, so so now it's on record. Brandon Drum is all for Lincoln Riley to Denver. Have at him at Brandon Drum two four seven. Thank you, everybody. 
No, pro. No, I guess my other question is is the the individual awards. How crazy is it? Like first time in a long time, you could sit there and say Kenneth Murray potential, uh, Butkus Award, Big Narek Award winner, like stuff like that. Like that's a long time. I mean, Neville Gallimore has the potential to jump up there with Creed for the Outland because you know it goes to both sides of the ball. Um, so uh, it's one of those deals that it's been a long time. That is a different feeling in Norman and something that, I mean, as odd as we talk recruiting all the time, right? We talk it all the time, but to see it actually, we'd say, you know, it's always, remember, you know, we always say it's like, but like getting back paid for like the previous month that recruiting is getting back year. Like it's, it's everything that happens the year before is going to pay off the next year, not usually the year of. But Oklahoma is doing a really good job recruiting, especially defensively. Now, as of late, people are starting to buy in and notice. And they're going to do better possibly closing out the 2020 class than anyone could have possibly ever dreamed. I mean, that's that's exactly where it's at. Like, it, it just blows my mind how quickly that changed. Ever dreamed. Well, they, yeah, I mean, they, they didn't they – didn't, nobody thought they were going to be able to close out the way they are defensively. No, they have a potentially, potentially. When I say that, potentially, like I'm saying, like getting closing out with your uh, four star. Uh, say they get out of the realm, out of the realm possibility. Say they get uh, Alfred Collins. They close out with Manning and Eaton on the defensive side of the ball, and then they go and they get some linebacker. I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of a linebacker from Georgia's name um, off the top of my head uh, that they're in on. Like very high on. Um, uh, is it Philip? Are you thinking about Philip? Uh, is it Bugs? I think it's Bugs. No, I just went blank here. Hold on, just a second. But I'm gonna keep talking until I do it. Till I, till I realize the name here. Anyway, so I guess my point is, is that they closed out with those four, and you end up getting just. Uh, it's just it's it's insane. Then say they get Mims on the offensive side of the ball, right? I mean that that wasn't even something that you saw. I mean they're a top ten class right now. They're a top ten class. It is um, Cameron Riley and Jaheim Bell. Those are the guys that I'm thinking of. And then you're thinking Philip Webb. Webb, that's right, not Bugs. Yeah. Webb. Yeah. So, yeah. So they say they get one of those two, one of those three, and then. Um, Say, you know, they close out with those four four guys on the offense, close out with one on the off, uh, offense. That's crazy. That's a great class in. I mean, you're looking at like a potential. We were talking like they could be like a 7 to 12. Well, that's that's a potential 5 to 8 class. I mean, that that's the difference. I mean, and that, that, that's, that, that's not the talk we were talking about not just three weeks ago. And that's what I'm saying. Like, people are buying into what they're doing defensively. I mean, it, it – it, it's crazy how quickly, and then you got the individual awards that the guys are literally up for. People are throwing those names out with those awards. No, I think it's also indicative of what we've seen, uh, just how much the season has to do with your recruiting. Because as we we get out of here, I need to mention Eric Gilbert commits to LSU when no one yeah. saw that coming, no, no one. Yeah. And then you know, I'm just doing the math, and I'm sending text messages, and it was like, hey man, it's real simple actually. And I said, tell me. It's like, well, if, if you have if you have competing facilities that are about the same in the same conference and you see that one offense is humming and the other one's still trying to run the damn ball but still figure things out, and then you look at 
the three the trio of wide receivers that are leading Joe Burrow's Heisman campaign, right? Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Terrence Marshall, and then they still manage right. to throw 25 catches to two tight ends. You're going, yeah, because you got Megatron out there that can play inside, outside. You got Gronk. You got Travis Kelsey. And he made a very intelligent football decision when, you know, that's what it was at this point. Because it's like, yeah, he grew up in Georgia, but he'll say, like many people, a lot of people grew up in Georgia. Kyle Hamilton grew up in Georgia. He's in Notre Dame. Jane Hazelwood grew up in Georgia. He's at Oklahoma. Uh, Miles Murphy grew up in Georgia. He's going to Clemson. The kids want to play where the best football is being played. So, right. So when you're talking about Oklahoma and the way that it's been able to close defensively, I kind of would expect that. What I didn't expect was what happened last friggin' year when they were trash defensively and Lincoln Riley said, no, I got this. I, I, I got this. And I was like, to me, that will always be the biggest recruiting coup of my professional career is Lincoln Riley without a coordinator when, when his team was dead last in pass defense and one of the laughing stocks of football. He goes in, he gets LaRon Stokes, he gets Jeremiah Cradell, he gets Marcus Stripling, he gets Ty DeArmond, and then they're throwing Ramondre Stevenson there. Right, and let's, 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 yeah. look, and holds on to Jaden Davis, who yeah. I was shading last year, who's turned into your, you know, wide receiver one and a half. I mean, wide receiver corner one and a half. He almost got his, almost got his teammate, uh, the safety too. No, I mean, look, if Bama doesn't come through, battles at Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah, if yep. Bama doesn't come, and and actually, you got you got Jordan Battle to thank for Dax Hill ended up in Michigan. Yeah. So I mean, it, 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 I mean, the way these chips fall. So that's the other thing that I'm I'm looking nationally as much as I am locally at, at how things are being affected and what the landscape looks like, and if you play good football. And you play it particularly well on one side of the ball or the other, you're going to get the lion's share of the best prospects. And LSU, who's been great defensively, I mean, Derek Stingley is a man, right? They basically got the equivalent of Derek Stingley on the other side of the ball and Eric Gilbert, who I still believe is the best pass catcher of this class. And LSU quietly has put together the best receiving class in 2020. That is not shocking. I I will say that... Next year, don't be shocked if you see Oklahoma roll in with several four- and five-star guys on the— uh, No, depending on how they close this out, they could end up with a with with the best defensive class that we've seen from Oklahoma ever, depending on how they close this out. Very true. All right. That's kind of where I was going with it, yeah. So I let you be the positive guy there. Talk your positivity, RJ. Yeah, I have nothing to add to your Denver Broncos, though. Oh, there you go again. <laughs> go go do your show, brother. Well, I'm going to put this up as soon All as right. I can. All right, hey, by the way, real quick. before we VIP stuff! Yeah, we've got to, we have to do that. We've got to pay some bills here. Do, do so we? Go ahead. I mean, yeah, well, we do. Um, anyways, we have, we have a... I record this in a tin can. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> this podcast costs $85 a month. Yeah. So, anyways, the, the one, the one, um, buy one, get one free, or buy one, get two free months. Right now, OUinsider.com, we got a ton of VIP notes for team stuff. I got more team notes coming up later on tonight and tomorrow morning. Fellas, the, the board, I say fellas, fellas and gals, the board says drum beat like nine times. 
It's 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 disgusting. RJ, Colin, Joey, everybody brings the, the goods. I mean, everybody. The team brings the goods each and every day on OUinsider.com. We bring three, four, five posts that you won't find anywhere else on any other board every day. OUinsider.com. Plus, it, it is also $1 right now. $1 if you sign up for one month, and then it's nine ninety five after that. But you can get a month, try it out for a dollar, do all that stuff. And it is also 30% off right now as well. So all these good deals going for annual, monthly, all this stuff. Uh, make sure you try OUinsider.com. RJ, Colin, Joey, myself, great team. We're all really good friends. We like hanging out. We like we like working together. So it's fun. It's always fun. We answer every question you ask on there. So go ahead. Join up OUinsider.com. Boom, done. All right. Deuces. See you.